of me, there was a really great Elizabeth. There was a loving Elizabeth. But outside, I was sad, timid, withdrawn, unloving, unpleasant. The wall was around me. Every time, people would be like, they're scared of talking to me. And yet, inside of me, I want to talk to them. And one time, he started teaching us about Derek Spring's um, book, They Shall Expel Demons. I didn't really think I really had a demonic stronghold at that time. But reading the book, I actually saw that through the spirit of rejection and fear, I was actually oppressed by demonic spirits. Stuff started coming out of my mouth. My husband came and started praying for me. He started commanding the demons to come out. Demons of fear, demons of rejection, demons of timidity. And I was screaming and you know, weird stuff was coming out. I was really shocked because I really thought that maybe these things are just in my mind, but they had actually affected my body as well. I was raised in the church. My parents are born again Christians. My dad is of late, but very great, great family. My parents loved the Lord, brought us up in the Lord. By the age of five, I gave my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. It was actually a crusade my dad was doing and he told everybody about hell. And I thought hell is just a horrible place. Just as a five-year-old, I was terrorized about burning in hell forever. And I said, okay, I have to give my life to Jesus. Sign me up. I gave my life to Jesus Christ. So that was the age of five. But by the time I was 10 years old, I started understanding my the choice between choosing to serve the Lord, choosing to truly follow the Lord. I, at the time, I remember a young boy at school trying to have me be his girlfriend or something like that, ask me out. And I knew it was wrong. So that was the first time I asked the Lord personally, Lord, what do you want me to do? That was the first time I really think I truly gave him my life because I knew he was telling me, this is not for you. This is not right. And I tell him, Lord, if you don't want me to do this, I need you in my life. So it was really a personal experience that really kind of solidified what I'd done at five. I chose that, Lord, I'm going to stay single until I'm going to stay celibate and keep my virginity until I get married. It was that age of 10 when I had that first temptation and I remembered that the Lord doesn't want me to be involved myself in premarital sex. So at the age of 10, I made that strong commitment to serve the Lord. And I said, okay, God, if you will require this of me, then you give me the grace. And so that was the beginning of really just living a life clean, separated unto the Lord. Can you tell us a little bit about what that was like being so young and knowing that you're so different and that you already have this big, you know, assignment that it seems like none of the other kids have? That was really that was really amazing because at the age of of nine, my dad actually told each one of us, go to a, a special room, everyone, and listen to what the Lord wants you to do with your life. It was really amazing because it's like, how does a young child hear from God? But my dad truly believed that children can hear from God. So I went to the closet and he said, you don't get out of the room until you hear from God. So I was like, God, you better speak. If not, I'm not gonna have lunch. So <laughs> it was a nice time. And I truly heard the spirit of God tell me, you're set apart, you're different, you're a missionary, you're gonna leave your nation and go preach the gospel in another nation. And you're called to be a medical doctor. So at that tender age, I knew I was gonna go into medicine which I finally did when I was 17. I went to medical school and, and graduated from medical school at the age of 22. So the Lord started directing my path at a young tender age. Now, what happened was that 
I was able to do that by the grace of God. But on the other hand, there was a seed the enemy had sown in my life when I was just five years old that also worked like if it was a bad thing, but the Lord helped me to keep close to him. So at the age of five, that was when I started feeling the spirit of rejection. At the age of five, my parents usually do a big birthday party for those who are 10, 5, 10, 15 in our family will have a big birthday party. But on my fifth birthday, everybody forgot my birthday. My mom, my dad, nobody even wished happy birthday to me. And I slept that night telling myself, I don't think I belong to this family. And as soon as I said that, I think a spirit actually entered me and agreed with what I said. And from then, I just started feeling like I'm different. I don't belong. I'm not that special in this family. And because of that, Walking around as a teenager, so withdrawn, not feeling loved, not feeling like I had anything special about myself. In one way, it kept me from doing what the other people liked, like having boyfriends and going around, hanging in parties. It kept me withdrawn, isolated. It was not what God wanted, but it also kept me from following what the grout wanted. So in, in a way, I found that God was still working in my life through all of that. I remember there was a, an incident also when I was the age of 10, we had a birthday party and my best friend invited me to our birthday party. At that time, I thought she was my best friend, you know, and I thought I was her best friend. She was my best friend, but I thought I was her best friend. So her mom comes to her and tells her, I want you to go take a picture with your best friend. And she just whispered it to her ear. But I was thinking that I was the one going to be picked. And it, she picked somebody else. And of course, that girl is more prettier than myself. I looked at her and I'm like, I, I think I figured out why she was picked. She's prettier. She's smarter. And it just solidified in me, you're not good enough. So through my teenage life, I struggled with the spirit of always wanting to fit in and not feeling that I was good enough. And uh, that's how the enemy continued to press me down. I was smart at school. I just decided that, okay, since I'm not pretty, I'm not that, well, let me just be the book. So I was the girl who did very well at school, always doing well. But all of that was grabbed, was motivated by not feeling good in myself, not feeling good in what I looked. When matters made worse, I had a, a cousin who was looking at one of my pictures and said, oh, you look like a chimpanzee. Now that was really a mean statement, but I, he was totally joking. But coming from a very brokenness that the enemy had already lied to me, that I'm not good enough and I do not belong, I truly started looking at myself and wishing I was somebody else. I never really thought about suicide. I never really thought about, but I just felt like, God, if I wake up one morning and I'm looking different, I would be just, I'll be your best daughter and I'll make these promises to God. So in my heart, what I struggled with as a teenager was I wanted to be part of the world, even though I was of the Lord, but I wasn't part, I didn't want to be part of the world because I loved partying or loved immorality. I just wanted to be loved. I just wanted to feel like I belong. So the contention in my spirit was, I know the Lord loves me, but I'm not, it's not feeling that love. I wasn't accepting that love. I wasn't feeling like I belong. So I think I was, it was at the age of 17 that I had an encounter where I told my parents that 
I don't think I am a child of this family. And they were so shocked. It was the first time they heard that. They were like, what, how, how? You look so much like your mom. Where did this come from? And so my dad and my mom just, they just started apologizing, started pouring love on me. A special incident happened when I was 17. I was in, I was in medical school and my dad came to visit me. And uh, he's a very, he, he was a very popular man of God. And so like crowds of people would come see him. And our family was always like loaded with lots of external family. Being a middle child, it's, you know, you feel like you're lost in the crowd, not just lost in the crowd of like there are many children, but there are many people around a pastor's pastor's kid, which I was. But this was this meeting, my dad was preaching and I sent him a special note. I said, I have to leave because I have a class. So I will not see you after the service. And my dad did something extraordinary. He left the service, excused himself and came out to see me off. You know, actually held my hand and saw me off to the bus. I'm telling you, I don't remember anything he said. He was praying and blessing me. I just remember that incident of feeling special, of feeling like, okay, among this whole crowd, I was his only attention and his only, you know, holding my hand as a young girl. In the African culture, it's not very um, common for fathers particularly to be expressive in love and uh, to be touchy and hold hands. So that was such a moment that I so, so, so treasured. That was like the Lord saying, I know your brokenness. I know you're suffering with um, self-extem and I'll give you this to hold you through. <laughs> so that was something that really helped me through, through medical school and through having other people around me have boyfriends, girlfriends, and involve themselves in sexual immorality. I held on to the Lord and I held on to the fact that my dad held my hand, that he he trusted me and, you know, he told me, you're going to finish medical school and then you're going to get into a relationship. And I just held on to those words. So that's, that's what took me through that moment, you know, of feeling different. And yet God's love kept, you know, holding me through. So Elizabeth, after having these encounters, even with your father and uh, just your family kind of apologizing, did that set you free from the rejection and did it never bother you again? Or what was that like? It did not set me free from the feeling of rejection, the feeling of not being good enough when I got married. So I had an extraordinary husband. I do have an extraordinary husband who poured me with amazing compliments. You're the most beautiful woman. You're just the best. And he loves me so, but I kept feeling not good enough with all the love. Now I was not deficient in love in any way. And yet I wasn't feeling good enough. He's a really cute guy, handsome. And I was feeling like, uh, I guess people are looking like, wow, she, she, he could have picked better, <laughs> better, a better woman. Would, you know, I just felt like, and he's a pastor. I had to, you know, now meet up with all the demands of a pastor's wife. So I was still struggling a lot. And one time he started teaching us about Derek Spring's um, book, They Shall Expel Demons. I didn't really think I really had a demonic stronghold at that time. But reading the book, I actually saw that through the spirit of rejection and fear, I was actually oppressed by demonic spirits. So it was at that time that it was 2009 that I sought deliverance. I asked him, I was like, I think I need deliverance. So Elizabeth, for people who have never stepped foot in this spiritual circles, what does it look like to be oppressed by demonic spirits, even as a Christian? 
Oppression is anything that goes really against your will. So I wanted to be expressive. I wanted to love people. I actually would write letters to, to my friends and be so having a if oppression is just an outward force or something that is pushing you against your own will. So I will not be able to give those letters. Five years later, I'll find those letters there. I just could not because I just afraid that they'll reject me. I thought they will not receive the love. I wanted to share the gospel with my friends, but I would be so shy and timid that I'll be like, oh Lord, I really wish I could tell her that Jesus loves her. Oppression is anything that is pushing, I'll just say it's like a log on top of you and you're just a heavy weight that doesn't let you be yourself. Because inside of me, there was a really great Elizabeth. There was a loving Elizabeth, but outside I was sad, timid, redrawn, unloving, unpleasant, and just really the wall was around me. Every time people would be like, they're scared of talking to me. And yet inside of me, I want to talk to them. So Really, that oppression is that thing that separates you from really who you truly are. So what made you want to seek deliverance and what were you seeking uh, out of deliverance? Two things I was seeking. I was seeking a freedom from fear because I, I was so afraid of the opinion of men and I felt like it was separating me from truly serving God. Every time I wanted to do something, the first thing was, what would people say? What would people say? What would people say? And even though I loved the Lord so much, I felt like I was disappointing Him all the time, most of the time, because of people. So that was the first reason why I sought deliverance. And secondly, I saw that it was it was affecting my marriage. My husband was pouring out love on me, but I wasn't receiving that love. I wasn't receiving the compliments. I wasn't blossoming in those compliments. And then I was not open to correction. So I would reject compliments, but correction too. If he just said something like, oh, you did this wrong, or you could do this thing the other way, I just felt like he was rejecting me. He wasn't just rejecting that that idea or what I said. I always felt like rejected. And it was making our marriage really stressful at the beginning when I knew that I was this was a God-given man and a God-given relationship. So that's one of the reasons why I was seeking deliverance. So can you take us into what deliverance look like for you and how the Lord even began to set you free from the spirit of rejection? So it was one beautiful evening where I was actually going through um, one of the allergic attacks because one of the things in the book, it says that when you suffer through rejection and self, um, you reject yourself, sometimes your body would react that way. So I was like, ah, I was having an allergic reaction to dairy products all the time. And I was like, could this be that this is because I'm rejecting myself? And that day I was having so much pain and I said, okay, let me go through whatever the book said. You can actually pray for yourself or seek somebody to pray for you. So I started praying for myself. Stuff started coming out of my mouth. And, you know, my husband came and started praying for me. He started commanding the demons to come out, demons of fear, demons of rejection, demons of timidity. And I was screaming and, you know, weird stuff was coming out. I was really shocked because I really thought that maybe these things are just in my mind, but they had actually affected my body as well. And the, the spirits came out. The spirits came out. It took a couple of sessions of deliverance. The reasons why it took a couple of sessions was because because as I began to go into deliverance, it's like peeling an onion, more and more stuff gets 
um, shown, I found out that my mom went through a similar thing that I went through. So when I was sharing it with her, I found out that this was an ancestral spirit. Not only was it affecting me, my mom, when she was five years old, she was taken away from her family and she was given to be raised by some other couple. And she always thought to herself, but why don't I, I never felt like I belonged to this family. How come out of all the five children, I was the one taken out of her, of her family? So she actually went through a situation of being like abandoned, but I did not go through it, but I had exactly the same feeling that she had. So it was an ancestral spirit and I was breaking those links with my, um, with my generations, with my mom. So it was, it went through a couple of deliverance sessions for me to be set free. And one of the amazing things that happened was one, I got delivered from the spirits that way causing the allergic reaction. So I was able to start eating dairy products right after my deliverance. Amazing. And, uh, I was for the first time after my deliverance, I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, God, you did an amazing job. I truly look beautiful. I mean, it was the first time and I was already in my twenties that I could actually appreciate the goodness of God because all along I kept feeling like, I wish I was this, I wish I was this. God, if you could just change this and you could just change that. For the first time I could say, God, you did an amazing job. I love what you do. Wow. So Elizabeth, was this your first encounters with deliverance? Had you ever seen the ministry before or had anyone really ever talked to you about it prior to experiencing it yourself? I'd grown up seeing people being delivered. Like, mm -hmm. you know, my dad was a minister, um, so he did deliverance ministry, but it was always for people who had gone through crazy things in their past. So people who were on drugs or people who had gone through a lot of sexual abuse. And so it was people who had done, gone like the prodigal son, like they've gone through all this um, trauma. I did not see that, you know, notice that I'd also gone through trauma in mentally, I'd gone through all that pain as a child and that brokenness could have, had exposed me to demons. So I had seen deliverance, but the way that deliverance had, was done at that time, it was like, it was only critical, terrible cases. But yet, you know, the, this bondage that is just dysfunction, especially emotionally. I was just dysfunctionally emotionally. And it was, it did not show so openly that I had a problem. But I was so grateful. Actually, I told myself, people don't understand how much they are bound until they are free. Because the difference between the free Elizabeth and the bound Elizabeth is like a world. That's really what you say, going from darkness to light. My whole personality changed. I went from being this shy, rejoined person to being... Um, this person who is ready to share the gospel with everybody. My mom used to say, Elizabeth, why are you so sad? Why are you so, I said, I, mommy, I don't know why I'm sad because I, I had everything I needed. I did not have a reason to be sad. But now they all see the joy of God all over me and I cannot help but be joyful. And uh, another thing that I experienced being um, liberated was just the desire to 
to help others. Because at first it's like with um, the oppression, it's only about me. It was just about me. A lot of self-pity, they're not helping me. Nobody loves me. But now it's always like, how can I be a blessing to this other person? So um, it turned our whole marriage around. Actually, my husband and I started deliverance ministry after that, reaching out to young people especially young girls. And I'm like, no one needs to go through what I went through, being alone and being feeling like you're different and it is bad. No, you're different and it is good. <laughs> so I accepted being different, I accepted being different in a different culture, coming from an African um, upbringing now in America. And I could accept that the Lord made me different and he raised me up different. And and it just enjoyed the enjoy even nature. I started looking at the trees, the plants, the birds, everything around me was good. So um, I truly say that freedom isn't just about, you know, like the demons that cause you to be acting crazy, but just even dysfunction. Dysfunction could also be demonic strongholds. Amazing. So Elizabeth, you said that you're a missionary now, that you do deliverance now. How did um, your deliverance that you go through bring you into a place where now you're ministering to other people? And how did the Lord even lead you into ministry uh, the way that you're doing it now? So actually it started by my testimony. <laughs> it started by my testimony because everybody saw the difference in me. And then I started giving my testimony and many people will be like, oh, I went through that. I, I went through that. I went through being bullied at school, you know, called names. And so I saw that this problem of spirit of rejection was very rampant and it brings a lot of fear. So that became like a purpose for me to share my testimony and set other free. free. And uh, through sharing my testimony, one of the ladies who got free from my, sharing my, hearing my testimony, wrote a book, actually helped me write a book. So that was actually another way of God using my testimony to set many people free. So freedom from the spirit of rejection was now re released, which was like a great way for me to share my testimony with the world. It's been translated into many places, in many, many languages. I came back from um, Mozambique and a young man actually heard this testimony about my dad holding my hand and he was so blessed and he said one thing he would like to do is to tell parents that they have a great role in showing the love of the father to their children and I was so so blessed by him he reading my book and experiencing that you know childhood our childhood brokenness could actually be used by the enemy to take advantage of our adulthood and our purpose so yes my testimony has been on um, the way of open doors for ministry in many places wow and Elizabeth, for anybody who may be struggling with rejection and just not knowing which way to turn uh, dealing with it, what would you say uh, to people struggling with that? The spirit of rejection is of the devil. That's one thing that we first have to identify because sometimes we get so used to our bondage that we don't even seek to be set free. But it is of the devil. Here, the Bible says, I did not give you a spirit of fear, a spirit of love, of power, and a sound mind. So I always say, if you're not working in love, receiving love, and giving out love, if, you know, your, your mind is oppressed by, you know, by not indecision, not loving yourself that is of the enemy and you should hate it because sometimes we get so used to it we don't hate it we just 
accepted. That's who I am. No. First thing is that hate what is not of God in your life. And because the Lord came to set us free from our enemies, he will not set us free from our friends. So what you accept, you will never be set free from. You must say, this is not of God. I got to a place where I'm saying, this is not the life I was meant to live. I cannot be a Christian. I love the Lord and he loves me, but I refuse to display that love to others. I refuse to share the goodness of God with others. I had to get to the place, enough is enough. I choose to shine the light and to be truly who I am. So first thing is just to really hate the dysfunction that you are in and then seek to be set free, knowing that Jesus Christ came to set the captives free. Wow. So Elizabeth, for the people who may have grown up in church and they see the prodigals kind of get this attention from the father and they feel like there's not any left for themselves, what would you say to them? This is really, really a very, very personal um, question to me because I truly always said, I don't have a testimony. <laughs> I, I don't have a testimony. I never was, you know, I, I got married as a virgin, like amazing goodness of God. My husband too got married. I mean, we, we, we served the Lord from young age, but we admire, we tend to admire those who have a dramatic testimony like you. So that is actually one of the reasons why pastors' children go out to the world because they feel like they get more attention if I run away and come back. <laughs> but I want to encourage you that the Lord is faithful. He's looking for those who will be faithful to with Him till the end. I've seen His goodness in ministry. I've seen Him preserve myself and my generation. Now my children, I have an example to give them. Um, I would just encourage you, those of you who the Lord has already kept you, do not seek to be fall out and come back in. Your testimony is in staying in the house. And you see like the elder son, even though he was in the house, he was not also receiving the father's love. So you could be staying with the Lord, but not receiving the love of the father and being celebrated by him. So you as a pastor child, someone who has grown up in church, you might actually also need deliverance. So don't feel like, because I did not do those things, I'm, I'm, so long as you're not working in the purpose and enjoying the goodness of God, then the enemy has stolen something from you. He has sold a lie which needs to be taken off from your life. So yes, there is greatness of being faithful, but the enemy can also sow a seed in your faithfulness in being the father's house, where instead of just enjoying the father, you're just enjoying the father's house. So that's what I would encourage them to just pursue the enjoyment of the father rather than just being satisfied that, oh, I've been a Christian all this time. And Elizabeth, do you have any words of encouragement for people who are trying to receive the love of the father, or build this personal relationship with him, but just keep hitting a wall and can't find themselves close to him? I would just one, number one, I would just say the father is faithful and he's still loving on you even while you're trying. You see, I, that's one of the things that really encouraged me. The father said, I was with you every time when you felt like you had a war, I was there and I never let you go. So even while you're trying and he, he celebrates you even in your little baby steps, he celebrates you. And so keep one in the word of God. His word is his love letter to us. And if you open that word, you see the Bible is the only book that when you read it, 
the author shows up. Mm. <laughs> he shows up to talk to you. So I would just encourage you to go away from being, using God like a, a, a story, but he's actually real. And everything about what he says is real. Instead of us thinking like one day it's gonna happen, why not say it's happening today? When he says he's with you, he's really with you. Hallelujah. And so I just felt like through my deliverance, the Lord helped me to use my imagination. That's the, really the secret. Spirit of rejection darkens your imagination. You can't imagine the goodness of God. But once you're set free now, everything about my imagination is playing through in my imagination. Instead of evil, I play the, in my imaginations. God sitting by me, God talking to me, God putting his hand and blessing me. I just played out in my imagination. And in, it's amazing how that just sets free the whole atmosphere of my being. Elizabeth, who is Jesus to you? Jesus is my lover. He's my Lord. He's my lover. He's my best friend. And he has become my purpose, my reason for being. I live for him, I live in him, and I live to show him, one, to make, to get to know him, and two, to make him known to the world. He's a good, good father. Do you have any final words for anyone who may be watching? I'd like to pray for anyone watching and break off the spirit of rejection, uh, because demons are, they don't just go out on their own, they have to be cast out, they have to be forced out. So I'd love to pray, is that okay? Yeah. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you because you came to set the captives free. I just pray a, a prayer over all those who are watching right now. I speak the blood of Jesus. I break the power of the spirit of fear. I break the power of the spirit of timidity. I break the power of the spirit of rejection. I command you out from all those who are, are listening right now. That spirit that makes you compare yourself with others, that, that spirit that makes you feel unworthy, that makes you feel unloved, that makes you reject love, that makes you refuse the, the, the goodness of God in you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I set your imagination free by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And I speak that light comes to your soul, light comes to your emotions, light comes to your desires, light takes you away from looking at yourself to looking at Jesus Christ. He is the author and the finisher of your faith. He is going to take you. He is the one doing you. He's the one going to help you. He is the one ready to uphold you. And with him, you're going to shine. So arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of God is risen over you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.